Well, hello everyone, and welcome to another episode here on RNFM Radio, where we're hanging out on the pulse of nursing. Speaking of hanging out, this is episode 107, March 19th, 2014, and I'm Kevin Ross, your co-host here on RNFM Radio, and of course, as always, my co-host right here in front of me on the Skype, uh, but you can't see him, but I certainly can. Keith Carlson's hanging out with me as well. Keith, how are you today, sir? I'm great, Kevin. It's a beautiful day in Santa Fe, as almost always, and I'm doing great. It's good to see you. I'm very excited about today's guest, actually, and there's a lot going on that we'll talk about later in the show, too. So why don't you give everyone a shout about how to get in touch and stay in touch, and then I'm going to run along and introduce our guest. Well, for all of those who know about RNFM Radio, you know what you should be doing. Go over to rnfmradio.com where you're going to find out so much more about our guests that we have on each and every show. If you click that tune in button, you're going to find all of our archive podcasts right over there. And where are we? Well, we're hosted right here on rnfmradio.com. We're also on TuneIn Radio, Stitcher Radio, and of course, iTunes. And of course, we can't forget because we're very thankful for the ProBed Network promednetwork.com forward slash RNFM radio. We're under the hashtag RNFM radio at RNFM radio and pretty much RNFM radio. You'll find us on every social media platform out there. So quite frankly, if you can't find us, then look under another rock because we'll be there. Anyway, and of course, as always, we'd like to give that shout out for our voicemail and texting line 720-466- 3022. And of course, as always, we'll give you a roundup of the upcoming guests here on RNFM Radio at the end of the show. And as always, Keith, you do fabulous introductions for these wonderful guests, and I'm going to hand the mic right back to you, sir. Oh my gosh, Kevin. Thank you. Flattery will get you everywhere, my friend. So the question I want to ask you all first is, do you like to come to work every day with a skip in your step? Do you wish everybody was as positive and supportive as you? Can you picture a workplace full of chief paradise officers? Well, you're in luck because today's speaker, Vicki Hess, is all about creating engagement every step of the way in the workplace. Vicki's from Baltimore, Maryland. She's a registered nurse, the author of several books, a certified speaking professional, and a top five healthcare speaker for the fourth year in a row. And when Vicky's not helping clients, you'll find her on an adventure girl outing, training for her next triathlon, cooking at the Ronald McDonald House, or thinking about how grateful she is for her two marvelous sons and her wonderful husband. You can find her at VickiHess.com. That's V-I-C-K-I-Hess.com. And she's at Vicky Hess on Twitter. So Vicky Hess, a hearty welcome to RNFM Radio. Thanks, Keith, and thank you, Kevin, for inviting me to join you today. I'm excited to be here. Oh, it's really our pleasure, Vicki, and we're excited to have you here. We both have your book in front of us. It is Six Shortcuts to Employee Engagement, Lead and Succeed in a Do More with Less World. It's actually the healthcare edition, and we are talking about healthcare. So thank you so much for being here. And do you want to tell us a little bit just about your clinical background, your experience as a nurse, just to give people the, the setting for how you came to be who you are today? Sure. I have a little bit of a different background than probably most people you talk with because when I graduated from nursing school, I decided I didn't want to be a nurse. And I went to work for Xerox in sales. And I spent 10 years in a business career 
um, in sales, sales training, management training, also was in direct sales for um, copiers, computers, and then did some work for actually a lobbying firm in D.C., which was lots of fun. Um, so after 10 years of a business career and having my second child, I decided that I wanted a job that had more flexibility and I didn't necessarily want to be um, tied up full time. And at the time, nursing seemed like the perfect place for me to go. And so I went and took a refresher course at the local community college. And it was a little bit scary, actually, because after 12 weeks, you know, and coming to class a couple of days a week and then going on the weekends to do clinicals, they said all of a sudden, okay, you can go be a nurse. And I was like, what, are you kidding me? You know, it's been 10 years and I never really practiced out of college. And I actually did my um, my practicum in my senior year. I didn't do it in a hospital. I did it at a... Um, a county um, clinic where we treated outpatients, and I did a lot of work with um, pregnant moms, et cetera. So I didn't really have any kind of med surge experience, and my nursing skills were rusty at best. But at the time, I got a job at a phenomenal hospital that offered me a 12-week full-time um, preceptor-led program. And by the end of that 12 weeks, I felt very comp- competent and very safe, although a novice. And so that's where my nursing career started 10 years after I had graduated from my BSN program. Wow. What an interesting story, Vicki. And, you know, you just gave a great testimonial for the power and the value of preceptor programs. Absolutely. I I cannot tell you how scared I would have been if I had not had that preceptor program. The Roz, my preceptor, totally transformed my ability to give excellent patient care. Um, So I, I... owe her a debt of gratitude. Oh, well, good for you. That's great. And thanks for sharing that because, you know, there might be a nurse out there listening who maybe hasn't been in the workforce for a while and is thinking of going back. And you just shared how you found an avenue to get yourself back, you know, back in the flow, back on the, on the floor. So that's great. Now, I know that you worked as a nurse for some time and then you transitioned into entrepreneurship and speaking and writing and all the wonderful, amazing things that you do. So how did you make that transition? You worked for Xerox after graduation. You became a nurse again after doing the preceptorship and getting your sea legs back, so to speak. Right. You decided to transfer into the entrepreneurial space. So how did that come about? Yeah, so actually there was something in between those two things. I was a floor nurse for about three and a half years, and during that time I decided that my real strength um, was in training and development. I had done that in that business side of my career and really enjoyed that, and so I, I decided to go back to school and get my master's degree in human resource development. And I focused on organizational development and organizational behavior. So while I was working as a nurse, I was going to school one semester at a time. It took me four years to get that program done. But while I was in the process of that, I went to the nurse recruiter at the hospital, and I said, um, you know, I've, I've got this clinical experience. I've also got this training experience from my business career. Now I'm working on this master's degree. What kind of jobs could I get in the hospital, either our hospital or another? And she said, oh, my goodness. It was in, in the, when reengineering was big. If you're as old as I am, you remember that. And, and so um, she said, we, our staff development department needs PRN um, training folks 
you know, this would be great. You could work on the unit. You could do some PR and training. And I thought, oh, this would be awesome, you know. Um, and so I went to talk to the director of the, the um, staff development department, and she said, oh, no, no, I don't want you part-time. I want you full-time. You know, this is exactly the kind of uh, background that I look for in people. And so I was like, oh. So kind of before I'd even thought about making that transition, here in my very own hospital was a fabulous opportunity and so I started to work in, it was called staff development at the time, not long after we, our hospital merged with another hospital in a long-term care community. We became a health system, and we became the Education Resource Center. And I had the best boss, and her boss was great too. And they basically let me, um, let me learn and grow while I was on the job. And so whereas most of the nurse educators were doing a lot of clinical training, I did that initially. I I um, phased out of that and started doing more of the organizational development work. And what I mean by that is team building, customer service, leadership development. This was back in um, the mid-90s. And so really patient satisfaction was starting to be much more important than it ever was. So I was very involved in all the patient satisfaction work the training, et cetera. So I had, I just had great mentors, both in my clinical side of things and also on the, uh, the, the non-clinical when I got into the organizational development piece. And I just continued to grow and grow. And then in 2001, you know how some people plant an idea in your head, maybe they're in your life at a certain time for a certain reason. This buddy of mine, Michael, said, Vicki, why don't you do your own business? Why don't you do what you do for other places? And I said, I don't know. I never thought about it before. You know, and I like what I do. And he said, well, you know, you're good at it and, and you could be really, you could start something. And so by now my kids were in middle school and I thought, Hey, I could have a business from home and this might be kind of interesting. And so I have the best husband in the world. And I said, honey, I think I want to make a change. And he said, go for it and let's do it. You know, we looked at our finances and said, I think this would work. And, and so I left the hospital and started my own business in July of 2001. Now, if you're thinking in your mind, July of 2001, this was right before September 11th of 2001 when the world as we know it changed. And so I was very blessed because that hospital that I had worked for for all those years, they were my first big client, and they had been given a grant. Again, I think I believe things happen for a reason. They were given a grant to do some team building in the emergency room and hired me to do that. So I had this wonderful cushion, transition cushion. And I knew I couldn't be doing any traveling after September 11th because no one was traveling. So I really focused on local business and growing that business. And my business just started to grow. And that was 13 years ago. Wow. Um, well, extremely ins inspiring. And I know you and I were waxing poetic about entrepreneurship and our listeners love that. The fact is, you know, in common, of course, uh, I have kiddos, you have kiddos, and I think a lot of nurses out there are asking themselves, you know, is this possible? Is this possible with kiddos? Well, I even had babies in tow, taking babies to meetings and having having my kids uh -huh. passed around from like, you know, one person to the next. Like, hey, can you just, <laughs> you wouldn't mind like feeding him while I like give this talk or whatever. Yeah, right. it's, it's a pretty oh, interesting God. picture. But right. what you what you really... Um, you know, had talked about where you said you went to your, your uh, partner, your husband, and, and you said, you know, I, I really need to make this change. And really that support system is extremely helpful uh, when it comes to entrepreneurship. Because as you know, we know as entrepreneurs that um, 
you can't necessarily be risk averse, but you do have to kind of look and, and plan, especially when you got kiddos in yeah. tow um, and a family to support. Yeah, so I absolutely. think that hearing what you had to say, Vicki, and, and I've said it time and time again, but they're sick of hearing it from me. They're, I'm sure they're happy to hear it from <laughs> you that you, in a sense, had a very supportive uh, system there. Uh, in your family and that you were able to really start hanging your own shingle and you went for it and you used that opportunity, that learning experience, all those transitions to really make something of your own. And I think that's what our listeners love to hear. Yeah. And it's funny because for years when my kids were younger, my, my older son in particular, he would say, how's your fake job going, mom? Because they would see me in jeans. You know, if I'd gone out for the day and I'd had appointments and I'd put on my business suit, et cetera, by the time they got home from school, I was already back in my comfy clothes working, you know, from my home office. And, and until I actually, I hired my son when he was in high school to um, manage my books for me. He's a great mathematical mind. And I hired him and I said, I want you to write all my checks for me, you know, and, and post them into the account. And, and, and he could put my deposits in. And then he started to see that this fake job that I had was paying the tuition at his school. Um, so it was really kind of entertaining, you know, that he, he had a whole different level of respect, I think, once he, once he started to engage. And now I find a lot of support. I have other nurse entrepreneur friends. Um, one in particular, we both competed in a couple of Iron Girl triathlons together. So not only do we train together physically, but uh, she's an executive uh, leadership coach in healthcare and does a lot of physician coaching. And she is a marvelous support for me, you know, and, and it's hard when you work by yourself and you want to, you know, bounce an idea off somebody. And, and so I know I can call her. I'm also part of a mastermind group through the National Speakers Association. And the fun thing about that is none of those people work in healthcare. They all have different areas of expertise, but we're all entrepreneurs, and so we bounce ideas off each other. And I don't know what I would do. I have another um, person. We have our motivational Monday calls, and every Monday morning at 7:15, Jan and I are on the phone, and we're talking about what's our accountability to ourselves and to each other for the week. So I have put a lot of systems in place to support me um, and my husband being the biggest cheerleader of all, but those other uh, mechanisms really helped me a lot in keeping my business moving. Wow. That's, that's really wonderful, Vicki. We all need support and we all need accountability. That's a really important word that you used. I mean, that's, that's a word that's bandied about in coaching a lot because when we coach our clients, we want to make sure that they have homework or field work and they come back and they're accountable for that. But holding yourself accountable and having what I like to call an accountability partner, that's mm -hmm. really a great practice. So that must really help you a lot in your day-to-day -day functioning. It, it definitely does. And I have this whiteboard that I'm looking at right now that's in front of me where I list my priorities. And every time I start to get distracted by some interesting thing on the computer or I start to think like, okay, where do I need to go next? I look at that list of priorities, which starts with my current clients, of course, you know, and then I, I say, all right, here's what I need to work on right now. And um, so all of those different levels of support I find I need, you know, to keep me on track, just like I have a lot of support for training for these events that I participate in. I couldn't do that by myself. I don't like going to the gym by myself. I don't want to go ride 30 miles on my bike by myself. I like going with my friends. And so, um, so it makes it a lot more fun, I think. I'm sure you two together, Kevin and Keith, help each other a lot in terms of accountability and brainstorming and different ideas, which I'm sure is a lot of fun for you too. Extremely. You know, and, and Vicki, you mentioned earlier about support. 
And then you also mentioned even earlier than that about satisfaction with the patient, patient satisfaction. But why don't we uh, segue into the pay or the the um, employee component of that about support systems and satisfaction and engagement? So why don't you take us there? Yeah, well, and that's a perfect segue because. I think when you look at what's happening in healthcare today, um, all the articles I'm reading and the leaders that I'm talking to, they're talking about this blend between patient engagement and physician engagement and employee engagement. And if we want to meet that, that triple aim that, that's out there where we're trying to you know, improve care and, and decrease costs and maintain the viability of our healthcare organizations, et cetera, it becomes in my mind, the foundational element to all of that is employees being satisfied, energized, and productive at work. So what's funny to me is in organizations, we talk a lot about employee engagement. You know, you fill out the survey, you get the results back, you have a meeting with your manager, the goals are cascaded down, you come up with an action plan. It's all very reactive to the data that's come in. But I don't know anybody, and I probably would guess you guys don't either, that wakes up in the morning or at night, depending on what shift they work, and says, like, oh, I can't wait to go to work and be engaged today. That's not the vocabulary that any of us use. We don't sit around the dinner table and say, you know, how was your day today, honey? Were you engaged at work? And so we, we have this terminology that's called employee engagement, but, but we don't, as human beings, we don't think like that. So what I wrote about in my first book, Shift to Professional Paradise, is this idea of some synonyms for engagement. And the, the, the words that I think resonate much more clearly and from the research that I've done and looked at, it is when you are satisfied, energized, and productive. That's another way of saying you're engaged. And a third way to say it, the way I say it, is it's when you're in professional paradise. And professional paradise is not having, you know, working for a Fortune 100 best place to work kind of list thing. It's not having the best boss in the world. It's not having a short commute or a huge paycheck. Professional paradise is, is the mindset that you create for yourself that drives actions that have you more satisfied and energized, that creates the outcomes uh, that you're looking for. And so the great thing about engagement is you can be in professional paradise no matter what's going on around you. Now, there's days when that's a lot harder than others. I know that from my nursing days. I, I can certainly remember them even though they've been a long time ago, and I work with a lot of people. And I know healthcare is different today than it has ever been. But the great news is that everybody listening, myself included, we all have the power we all have the power to create that professional paradise. And to me, when I, when I work with organizations, people need that reminder. You know, we kind of, sometimes we feel powerless. And so it becomes important to reconnect with that power. Mm. Make sense? It all makes sense, Vicki. Your book makes sense. The way you speak about it makes sense. And I think a lot of us can relate to it. And <laughs> some people listening might think, okay, how can I equate the word paradise with work that might cause some cognitive dissonance for certain yes you know what it's funny because a lot of skeptics in the room will say that sounds like an oxymoron you right. know those two words that don't sound like they go together but if you actually look up the definition of paradise it's a it's a place that you go to find happiness it's a it's a, a beautiful place where you can find your bliss and I don't know about you, but I think there's a lot of us out there that equate work to paradise. I absolutely love what I do. Like I said, I'd be lying if I told you everything's perfect because it's not. But it is something that I work towards 
connecting to what gets me satisfied and energized. And I think the first thing that people can do right now as they're listening to this is really stop for a minute and say, what does get me satisfied and energized? And I will often ask that question in live workshops I do, and I love hearing the variety of the answers because that's the great thing about nursing. One person gets satisfied and energized by data. Somebody else, it's by mentoring. Someone else loves, you know, learning new things. Someone else loves innovation. Someone else loves creativity. You know, it's, it really spans the gamut. And so until you know what it is for yourself, it's kind of hard to connect with it. So maybe a bit of homework for people um, when they're done listening is to think about what does get me satisfied and energized and productive. And one of the ways that's easiest to notice that is when are those times where you look at your watch and you say, oh, my gosh, it's been an hour. That time flew. You know, what was I doing? Maybe you've been patient teaching. You were in rooms making connections to people. You were feeling like you were on your game, getting work done, just giving great care. You know, so that may be like, okay, that's what I was just doing. That's what gets me satisfied and energized. Someone else maybe in a leadership role might say, you know, I loved being in that meeting. I love understanding how, you know, the lean daily management process can help us drive waste out of our system and will really impact patient care in a phenomenal way. You know, you can see how very different those two things are. It doesn't matter. What matters is that you're connected to what it is for you. So, Keith or Kevin, I'm curious, what are some things that get you satisfied and energized at your work? Oh, boy. Well, one thing that gets me excited and energized is talking to people here on RNFM Radio who are excited about what they do. <laughs> so, uh-huh. So yeah. you, you've drawn me in totally, 100 and hundred thousand percent right now because of the, <laughs> you're talking about this and personally for me in my coaching work I get totally sucked into my work with my clients in a good way I love yeah. with my clients I love that one-on-one connection and I love when I note my clients making having a breakthrough or having some new thought or some new way that they want to approach their life or their career that just makes me so happy and the other thing is writing. I love writing and I write professionally and I write, you know, as a, as a avocation as well. So that lights me up completely. So in terms of my work world, that, that really does it for me. And that the patient contact I have in my very part-time home care um, project that I'm involved in with a small mom and pop in Albuquerque, I love the patient contact. I love sitting in my patients' homes and chatting with them. So that's really what does it for me, and I'm sure Kevin has a lot to share himself. Well, I think uh, for myself, I've shared this often, uh, Vicki, in that my entrepreneurial endeavors and my personal life are somewhat intertwined in the sense that I have choice. And I was actually talking to Lori Brown of Empowered Nurses the other day, and she had asked me what my biggest fear would be, and my biggest fear is to actually have a job. I don't actually feel okay. like I'm working. I mean, I know that I'm working, but it's not a job to me. I, I don't know. It, it just having choice, being able to work with who I want, when I want, and actually being able to pepper that into my personal life to say, you know what, I'm going to actually coach my my kids' soccer uh, teams. And I, I, coach, I coach two different soccer teams, and I've got a third that I was trying to coach, but that, that's a little too much uh, overkill there. But, right, but right. as you know, Vicki, I know you can appreciate this of, of having choice in what it is that you do each and every day. Because I know each day that I get up, it's going to be something new, but I am the decision maker. I choose to do it each and every day. And I also get that, that thing where my kids come home and they, and they say, Dad, 
because I, I have a home office and then I also have uh, a corporate office. And they ask me, you know, did you run your company today from home? And were you wearing that? <laughs> like I'm wearing like jeans and like a cartoon T-shirt, you know? Right, right. Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, yeah, yep. I'm the boss. I get to wear what I want, you know? And actually, so does everybody yeah. else um, in a sense. But still, um, I, I do get those little uh, jabs from my kids about me running the company. So they, they keep asking me, are you the boss? Are you really the boss? Because I don't see who you're the boss of, because I don't really take them to right. work all that much, but they have seen a lot of my folks, so, you know, that's on the funny. team. Well, and I think the thing that's interesting is, like, you and I were talking about choice and how much choice gets us satisfied and energized. There's a lot of people that having all those choices and, 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 and having to create the structure, that would be painful. You know, that would be what I call professional prison, which is the opposite of professional paradise. And I, I have friends who say they love going to work and, and, and leaving work and not having to think a thing about it after they go. Because I can tell you, I, I would bet you two are like me, I'm always thinking about my work. I mean, I, everything I'm doing. Guilty. You know, crafts, things. I'm I guilty. Mean, I'm, I'm, yes, you too. Yeah, me too. But I, I, I like that. You know, it's fun. I, I was at Basket Bingo at a fundraising event for my friend last night, and I was thinking, there's got to be some parallels between bingo and engagement, you know, and, and then I thought myself, no, just have fun. Just stamp the numbers, you know. Um, but I think for other people, going to work and being in a structured environment and not having to do all of that thinking, that's their professional paradise. You know, they like not having to worry about all the choices, and they like kind of having a structure to follow. So that's, again, the cool thing about nursing, the thing that I would tell anyone thinking about going into nursing is that, if, like you said, if you didn't know about RNFM radio, you could look under the next rock. If, if, you can't, if you get into nursing and you can't figure out a way to connect to what gets you satisfied, energized, and productive, keep looking because it's probably under the next rock um, because nursing is so versatile and there's so many different ways to connect to your own professional paradise. Mm, excellent point. That's a great point. I've talked about that for years, and Kevin does too, and we've talked about it here on the show and on our blogs that there's so many choices in nursing, and that is exactly mm -hmm. why I chose it. I was 30 years old. I was an art school dropout, parent of a young child. I needed to find a profession. Several of my, my aunts had been nurses, and I thought, wow, yeah, there's, there's a lot of choice in nursing. I won't get pigeonholed too quickly. And right. that's 18 years later, I haven't been pigeonholed yet. So that's it's a wonderful thing. And I wanted to move on, Vicki, and ask you about this concept of a chief paradise officer. Now, I can imagine there being a chief paradise officer of a particular facility or institution. I also imagine we can be our own chief paradise officers. So how did you come up with that concept and what does it really mean to you? Yeah, well, so because finding professional paradise is sort of that inside job, you know, it's not dependent on what's happening around you. Um, when I wrote the book, uh, the editor that I was working with, she's sort of an editor and book coach, and we worked together quite a bit. And, and I, I don't remember which one of us said it, but we joked one day that wouldn't it be cool that everyone who found professional paradise would kind of add to their business card, they're a CPO, they're a chief paradise officer. And I think it really, there's so many C, C, X, O, C different positions these days. I just read about a new one, which was the chief patient engagement officer. Um, I think it was yesterday I saw an article about that. I hadn't heard of that title before. But I think that, um, that if everyone woke up in the morning and chose to be a chief paradise officer, not just of their work, but of their life, uh, they would leave sort of an, an energetic um, 
signature. That's what Deepak Chopra calls it. You, you know when you're around people and you, you can feel what their energy is? Well, or, or you know people that you say, oh, she's a great nurse. She's just not really good at her bedside manner. That's somebody who has sort of stinky, energetic signature. Well, if everyone came into work and thought of themselves as a chief paradise officer, and they were deliberately connecting to um, shrinking their challenges and growing what gets them satisfied and energized, then the collective sort of energetic signature of that area would be powerfully potent. And, and so that's why I call people a chief paradise officer. I, I suggest that people self-identify with that give yourself that title, um, you know, so that you own it and you claim it. And when you head into work, you're like, yeah, I am the chief paradise officer of my day, you know, and I am going to make fine professional paradise no matter what's going on around me. Excellent point, Vicki. And you're just reinforcing what we've discussed all along here on RNFM Radio about the change within. So the local change for the global effort and I always mm-hmm. like to use that word of infectious, and you're like, oh, no, not infection. Get infection out of here. But, but your positive influence, make that infectious. And at Hopkins, I loved what I did each and every day, and I love the people that I worked with. And I just wanted to put on a smile, skip in my step, and just get to it and have a lot of fun. And I even remember times where there were a couple of us on the unit. I worked in ICU, and... There was one time when we, the, myself and two other gentlemen, two other nurses, were working with patients in this overflow area. And the positive energy in there was just like it was spilling out. Like nurses were actually stopping by the room. I think may, maybe they were actually stopping by to make sure we weren't clowning around. Now, we took our jobs right, very right. seriously. We were very astute clinicians, very intelligent, very no, smart, and, and doing the, the right thing for our patients. But we just, it was such a positive energy in that room. Nurses just kind of said, I got to get a break. I want to come in here with you guys and like just kind of feed off of that energy. And, and that is very telling because that's what we need. That's the injection or the shot in the arm that, that nurses need. But really, you said it best, meaning that that starts within. So again, that change is local for the global effort of your uh, nursing cohort there on the unit. Yeah, and it's interesting because people will tell me, you know, that they believe it's their job to to be satisfied and energized at work. And and in my new book, The Six Shortcuts to Employee Engagement, I talk about how it takes three to create a culture of engagement. It takes the organization at a strategic level, it takes leaders at a tactical level, and it takes employees at a personal level. And today we've been talking more about that piece about employees at a personal level. So someone will say to me, oh, yeah, yeah, I agree. I know it's my responsibility, you know, that it starts from within. But their behavior does not reflect that belief. So when it comes down to it, really your your beliefs are shown by your behavior so I, you can tell i work out a lot so i could say you know fitness is important to me that would be a belief but if you said oh vicky how many times do you go to the gym or what kind of exercise do you do and i said well i get there occasionally or i walk you know 15 minutes a couple of days a week then that's not my behavior is not reflecting what i say or my belief I think it's important for people to get a handle on what their beliefs and mindsets are around this idea of employee engagement because that's what's going to drive the actions and ultimately the outcomes. An example of that that I think might make this really clear that I hear from nurses a lot is this belief if you want to get something done right, you have to do it yourself. You know, and a lot of the reason that nurses um, 
get recognized and do well is because they're great clinicians and, you know, and give excellent care. And so then you get scared. Well, gosh, if I delegate this, you know, I might have a problem. So my mindset becomes like, oh, I need to do this. And then my actions are, I do everything. I'm not giving the work to the tech. I'm not giving the work to the, you know, unit secretary, whomever. And then my outcome is I'm tired, stressed, and resentful. And who am I blaming? I'm blaming this darn job. And I'm saying, oh, my gosh, there's too much to do and not enough time. But really, it's my behavior that's reflecting my belief that I don't think anybody else can do the job as good as I can. And maybe what I need to clean up is not the actions themselves, but the beliefs to say, there's plenty of people that can do a great job that I work with. You know, and, and if they aren't capable, then I need to train them to be capable or we need to work on that system process, you know, problem. So it all starts with your beliefs and mindsets that drive your actions and ultimately the outcomes. And so for everyone listening, like I said, targeting and thinking about what gets you satisfied and energized, then thinking about your beliefs and mindsets about whose job it is to help you find that every day. And when you start to look at how those beliefs and mindsets and the change in that can help you in terms of your actions and outcomes, the person that's benefiting the most is you. Engaged employees, sure, there's lots of organizational benefits that have been shown. There's patient-oriented benefits. But the person that benefits the most from being engaged is themselves. That's a very so. good point, Vicki. You made so many points there. It's going to be hard for me to, to go back and find the ones I want to comment <laughs> on because this is just so brilliant. The first point is that you talked about how as nurses, well, you didn't use the word perfectionist, but some of us no. might be perfectionists. And right. we might also be obsessive compulsive and I'll raise right. my first to raise my hand. So that whole notion of, well, you know, I can't, ask the tech to do this because it's not going to be done right. I might as well do it. So if we do get into that mindset, then we're stuck in this rut of feeling like, like you said, we have to do everything. And then all of a sudden we turn around, look in the mirror and we're burned out. And we, and we of course blame the job. We blame the facility. And you know, of course there may be things going on in that facility that are, that are contributing to that burnout in the way we feel. But what you're saying, it sounds, it's so much, has to do with personal responsibility that, of course, you know, if we're not treated well at work, if there's horizontal violence, if, you know, there's so many things we could talk about that make a, a workplace toxic or not a healthy place to be. Absolutely. If you and were, I'm not minimizing that at all. You know, oh, I, I know that that exists. Right. Definitely. However, you're also saying basically that if you take responsibility for your own satisfaction and really be proactive in figuring out, okay, how do I make this really work for myself? That seems to be one of the keys. So my, one of my questions for you then to follow up on that comment is if it's our responsibility to make sure we're happy and engaged at work, what can we look to our supervisors and CEOs for and what should we expect? Yeah, well, that's a great question. And I think that, um, that part of where people get stuck is when you lack the open communication. And so one of the best ways to um, have, to be more engaged and create a more engaging environment is to be an open communicator yourself. So I know there's nurse managers that will tell me, you know, they got um, a safety survey back or they got an NDNQI survey back and they were surprised by the responses. 
and I'll say, well, have you guys ever talked about this? You know, are you having, are you rounding with staff to ask them about these questions? Are you having one-on-one meetings? And, and the answers may be yes or no, but people are not speaking up. They're not saying what's on their mind. So as a nurse, I need to be, um, assertive enough, and I say assertive because assertive to me denotes a very win-win approach and very um, solution-oriented, where if there's a problem, I need to tell my nurse manager about it in a way that I'm willing to engage in what's my part of owning this, what's your part of owning this, what's the organization's part of owning this. Um, Because if I just go and I go wah, 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 and I complain about this or that, you all know where that goes. That goes nowhere. That becomes annoying. So the organization um, needs to have a, a commitment at, to engagement at a strategic level and really live the mission and vision and, and of course, ensure a safe work environment, um, communicate information, offer fair compensation and benefits and opportunities to learn and grow. Th- those are some of the key elements that, um, that organizations that support an engaged culture will, will promote. Now, sometimes the whole organization isn't as good as that. Maybe it's the nursing organization that you're looking at, or maybe it's the opposite of that. Then a a tactical letter level leaders, what they can do to promote this culture of engagement is to embrace the idea of engagement as being foundational. I call it the one thing that affects everything. And I I would be hard pressed to argue how there's anything else that, that is more, um, uh, universally in, included in everything than engagement. And so the idea of an, a leader embracing employee engagement becomes really important. And then creating those connections. And I often hear nurse leaders say, well, I don't have time. You know, I'm in meetings all day. I've got, I'm pulled. I'm, I'm working on scheduling. You know, I've got staffing holes, et cetera. Well, th- I just wrote an article for the American Nurses Association magazine, American Nurse Today. It's in the March issue called The Stitch in Time That Saves Nine. And that article, I talk about how one-on-one meetings can be, you can be so proactive by having short one-on-one meetings that you'll minimize a lot of the problems that would occur without them. Another important thing that leaders do is to figure out from a process improvement standpoint how to minimize the challenges that exist and also how to celebrate the successes. Um, and then there's real problems that are going to occur. Well, how are we going to manage? What's our coping skills and, our, and how are we empowering the staff to, to manage the real challenges that exist? And then measuring and monitoring that real time so we all know how we're doing. So that's kind of where the leaders fall. The way I see the employees coming in is the first thing that employees need to do is figure out what gets you satisfied, energized, and productive. And the second thing is, is managing your mindset and looking at what your beliefs and mindsets are. And then when we talk about challenges, I call them POWs, P-O-W, like a boxing glove would be a POW. You, if you can shrink the internal POWs that you have, you maybe can't change an external POW, but an internal POW could be um, that idea of perfectionism. An internal POW could be procrastination. An internal POW could be worrying about something before it even happens. I mean, in most groups, when I ask the question, how many of you have worried about something that never came to pass, 100% of the people in the room raise their hands. Well, if I can shrink my POWs, my own internal POWs, then I'm going to be more apt to be engaged. And then how do I grow my internal wows, a pow and a wow. The wow is something that gets you satisfied and energized. And then how do I shift my pows to wows 
And then how do I own this whole idea on a regular basis? So I know I gave you a lot of information, but those are sort of the, the three paths and underneath those paths, the various things. And I will tell you that all of what I just talked about is available online. And I'm sure we'll talk about it at, at the end that people can download some free resources that would, would share with them more information about what I just talked about. Oh, definitely, Vicki. We'll, we'll, we'll be promoting that here on the show and then on our platforms too to help you out there. Um, because that is certainly a mouthful and certainly, well, I'd say an earful to, as well right. for, for the listener right. here today. But one of the things that you said earlier, and I'm sure you understand this as an entrepreneur and, and running a business or an endeavor, is that there's only so much bandwidth that we have. And it gets to a point right. where you grow, but you can only grow so much. So when I talk to nurses and I mentor them, it's, it's really hard for them to kind of wrap their heads around the idea of being a small business because delegation is key. It can be the crux of many problems. And as an entrepreneur or someone at the bedside, you're going to hit the ceiling. Your bandwidth is going to be maxed out and you can only do so much. And I really feel, and I don't know whether you agree with this or not, but I think nurses really need to hone that skill of being able to properly or adequately delegate those functions because you're right if they don't then they're just burned out and miserable and saying well I'm just doing everything around here because if I don't do it it won't be right or, or what have you but you know we have to trust ourselves as clinicians as business owners uh, whatever landscape you're in to trust someone else to be able to carry out that task because ultimately we're going to max ourselves out. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think part of the reason that people don't delegate more is the belief and mindset. Again, it always starts with the belief and mindset that if I try to tell someone that tech or that even a nurse partner that I'm working with, if I try to tell them a different way to do something, or I suggest that they're not doing it right, that that's going to damage the relationship. And so I'd rather do the work myself than have the, the anticipation of the, the worry about what the conversation might go like. But I know you know, because I can think of nurses right now, nurses that are so good at simply stating what they need and asking for help in a way that no one's taking anything personally and nobody feels attacked. And, and so it comes down to those excellent communication skills. And when we think about this idea of delegation, quite often it's either the belief and mindset, you know, if I want something done right, I have to do it myself, or I recognize that I shouldn't be doing this, but I'm kind of scared to have the conversation with the person that is supposed to be doing it because maybe they haven't been doing it right, and now I'm going to have to coach them on it, and I'm not comfortable there. You agree? Yes, absolutely. And there is that discomfort, that desire to not make waves, not wanting to rock the boat. And we really need to navigate those relationships carefully at work, don't we? Yeah, and that's the part of, of, of that assertive communication where it's win-win, where if, if everybody knows and assumes that positive intent that, we are, that any conversation I have with you is with the patient's well-being in mind or the customer, maybe you're in a nursing-related business that isn't dealing with patients directly, you know, so the customer in mind, and, and you're, the spirit of the conversation is one of, of giving and um, helping, then then you're in a lot better position. Um, I'll never forget one of the nurses who was a charge nurse on our unit all the time. Her name is Mary. And this goes back a long time. And I think I was sitting around 
you know, I, I worked evening shift and for some reason I had a gap and I wasn't busy that minute. And she said, oh, Vicki, I'm not sure if anyone told you, this was when I was a newer nurse, when there's a little bit of extra time, um, what we like to do is clean the med carts and make sure that they're all disinfected. And she would take like alcohol wipes, you know, and we used to tease her about cleaning the med carts. And I didn't think like she wasn't, she wasn't yelling at me. She wasn't saying, you're a slacker, Vicki, you shouldn't be sitting around. She was just kind of informing me. Now, if you didn't work with Mary, there probably wasn't a lot of people doing that. But I loved that. Then I started doing it, and I would find other things to do because there was always an opportunity to do something else. And so I think it was all in the way she communicated it to me that made a difference. It was very, very just matter of fact, kind of like, I need your help with this, you know. And I said, okay, and it all worked well. That's great. She was leading by example in a way. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And the question I have for you then, because we may have some nurse managers and nurse executives listening to this show, what can a nurse manager do to, I guess, encourage that sort of behavior? How can a nurse manager empower his or her direct reports to, to come to work with that sort of attitude and work these things out amongst themselves and really be self-propelling and self-motivated? How did I'm so, yeah, I'm so glad you asked that because um, I've been working with a nursing unit and this is one of the things, the issues that we had to tackle. And we called it squashing the communication triangle. So here's what would happen. A uh, nurse would go to nurse manager and say, you know, I keep getting slammed and I get these admissions and the tech isn't doing what she's supposed to be doing. And, and in the past, the nurse, my manager, manager might say, well, okay, well, let me, you know, tell me what's going on and, and I'll, I'll have a meeting with the techs and we'll talk about that and we'll make sure everybody knows. And so it was sort of that um, group feedback, you know, because if we do it that way, then nobody's going to have their feelings hurt. There's not going to be any damage to relationships. And then, you know, the people in the tech meeting, everybody knows that the meeting, the reason they're talking about this is because the one tech that never does it, because people always know that, you know, the troublemakers, the people in professional prison, everyone knows who they are. And so what we did in this unit was we talked about this communication triangle and the nurse manager and all of the staff, we did a little bit of communication training about how you can better communicate more effectively. I call it data-driven communication so that you're you're doing you're not you're not communicating emotionally you're communicating based on data but you know what ended up happening the next time after we'd had this training when someone went to the nurse manager and said you know here's what's going on and i had this admission and the tech didn't do what the nurse manager said was oh what did fill in the name of the tech what did the tech say when you talked to her and the nurse would go er um and she would say hey you know what why don't you go back and talk to her about that and remember, we talked about this data-driven discussion model. Do you want to role-play it with me? You know, if you're uncomfortable about saying it, I'm happy to brainstorm with you how you might have that conversation. But once the conversation started getting deflected back to the people that really needed to be having them, meaning person A and person B that were really having the issue, the whole level of communication on that nursing unit changed. Now, it didn't change overnight because people kept going to the manager and the manager kept saying, what did he or she say when you talk to them? And they would almost laugh about it. Oh, yeah, I kind of knew you were going to ask me that. Now, that's not to say that when the person came back and said, you know what, I did talk to her, and she was, you know, very, you know, upsetting, or here's what we had happen. Well, the nurse manager did get involved sometimes, because if, if someone is not responding, you know, in a, in a 
uh, civil way, then there needs to be intervention. But most of the time, it was just getting over that that hump of, you know, having saying what's on your mind in a in an assertive way. Does that make sense? Crystal clear, crystal clear. <laughs> yeah. And and I think Vicky, just to build on that, you know, going back to that management, uh, because again, we as nurses, even at the bedside. We are managing. We're managing uh, the patient. Absolutely, We're managing, right. you know, other staff that are involved. And and just to remember that those individuals that are around you, that that team, especially the techs, and just like my team that's around me, they want to learn. You know, so th- it's a teaching opportunity. And you're right, learning by example, as Keith said. Uh, and and it's just if you can frame it in a way that it's not offensive, or you feel like you know you're calling someone out, but you can actually do it on a positive spin. Well, I think that's kind of like the wiring that that nurses need to sort of tweak it just a little bit um, because Mm -hmm. the people are there to learn. But speaking of which, and that's obviously builds on employee engagement, we want to we certainly want to know where can we find employee engagement? And we we need to mention your uh, website at VickiHess.com. What can we find over at VickiHess.com? And actually, there's a couple different websites I want to tell you about. If you go to VickiHess.com and you click on there's a free resources tab. And it says leadership resources, staff resources, and you click on those. Um, there's there's several different um, tools available. One of the things that I've done is each time that I have written a book, and um, for for three of the books I've written, I've actually created a website with. Um, tools that people can use. And then I've added extra ones to the Vicki Hess site. So professionalparadise.com has um, tools that will help in terms of people being the chief paradise officer of their own job. And a sample from a chapter from my book and a vision card and some other exercises. If you go to hiringfiringinspiring.com, that's from my second book, which is The Nurse Manager's Guide to Hiring, Firing, and Inspiring. Um, there are 24 time saver tools from that book that are free. You don't have to buy the book. You can go download them. The new book, um, shortcutstoengagement.com, that book, there are about a dozen different exercises. There's four different videos. Again, all for free, all that you can access. Also on my website at vickihess.com is a blog. Um, so you can sign up to receive my blog or Simple Steps is my newsletter. And that's uh, the acronym STEPS is the acronym for Shortcuts to Engagement, Productivity, and Satisfaction. And so I just, in fact, my, my e-newsletter went out today. The Simple Steps went out today. And my question to my readers was, if you were on The Voice, you know, that reality TV show about singing? Yes, would, uh, we watched it last the, night with the kids. They yeah, love okay, it. They're addicted I love to that. it. Would, would the judges turn their chairs for you? If someone heard you for 90 seconds at work at any time in your day, would they turn their chair for you and say, I want you on my team? And it's funny because I always get people responding to me. And, uh, in fact, I had someone from Johns Hopkins from your alma mater um, uh, email me today and say, you know, this made me really think about how would people think if they heard me, you know, if, if it was a blind audition kind of thing. Um, so, anyway, I, I publish that e-newsletter once a month. And so my goal is to give, give, give so that people um, have the tools and resources that they need um, to be the chief paradise officer and to help others be the chief paradise officer and create that culture of engagement. Well, and for the listeners out there, Vicki, what we are going to do, all of those platforms, your social media platforms, we will put those in the show notes. So 
while our listeners are actually listening to the right. podcast, they can go to rnfmradio.com on the tune-in section, and literally all of that will be clickable right from this show. We try to make it as easy as possible to get all of this valuable content. Because, Vicki, what a show today. Yeah. I mean, mind-blowing. Just mind-blowing. And it really, I, I mean, it, it shouldn't be mind-blowing because, I mean, it, it's so good stuff. It, because I just think mind-blowing in the sense of a concept that, uh, is unheard of, but it's not a concept that's unheard of. We just don't hear enough of it. Exactly. You're exactly right. Yeah. It's interesting because I'll be brought in to do leadership retreats at hospitals. And I love that because then you're getting the people from facilities and, you know, security and you've got finance, you've got IT, um, and you've got the clinical side of things. And when everyone in an organization starts to create this shared vocabulary around creating this professional paradise and people start to understand that model of it takes three, you know, so depending on what my job is in the hospital, I might be in all three of the circles. I might be doing, looking at things strategically if I'm in an executive role. I might be looking at things more tactically if I'm in a manager role. And all of us are looking at things personally because we're all employees of this organization. And when, when everyone embraces those ideas, it makes such a difference in patient engagement, patient satisfaction, quality, safety. Every metric that's measured in a hospital improves when engagement improves. Mm. It's amazing. So we need you to visit every hospital in the United States and preach, <laughs> preach the gospel. Okay. Engage. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it really, you know, Keith, and of course, Vicki, what you're doing here is you're creating a healthy ecosystem that supports the employees, the staff, the teams involved, but also the patients who are actually being served within these ecosystems, a very healthy environment all around, a global reach. Exactly. I just heard um, one um, a, a CEO in a hospital at a nursing leadership meeting, and she said two things. One was... I want you to, in, in our organization, we have employees first because we know when we put you first that the patient satisfaction will go up just in direct correlation with that. And the second thing that she challenged them to do, and I, I've never heard a CEO say this, was to break the rules, the ones, of course, not the safety rules, but breaking the rules to make the right decisions to care for the patients in the best way. And I thought, talk about mind-blowing and a paradigm shift and all those expressions. But this is the kind of creative leadership that we're going to need to move forward in this different environment. And she is very engaged in engagement, and she is very much focused on um, that, uh, the, the three-time win of the patient wins. That's what every mission and vision in a hospital is about, is the patient win the financial win of the organization because if the organizations aren't sustainably, you know, I don't have the financial sustainability, then nobody's going to have a job. And the employee win, they're all, they're all together on this triangle of equal importance. And that's when you see, um, when you see improvement. And, and you can look, if you Google employee engagement in hospitals, there's great examples. The Cleveland Clinic has done phenomenal work around engagement and the, and um, Gallup has stories, the advisory board. So there's lots of cool things that you can find if you look. Great. Well, you know, Vicki, today, so much uh, inspiration. The, the needle has definitely moved for me, and I'm sure it will for the listeners. And we are going to encourage all of our RNFM radio listeners to head over to VickiHess.com to at least start the journey there. And then, of course, uh, we, like I said before, we'll put in all those other platforms out there as well. 
and, and certainly continue to promote you because, my gosh, this is definitely, it's great to have you as part of the paradigm shift that's occurring. We loved having you on the show today. Thank you. I love being on the show. See, this is something that gets me satisfied and energized and productive. The time flew. Can't believe we've already been talking for as long know, as we Can you have. believe so this is work? A... This, is, this isn't no, work. No, I can't. It's, it's professional it's... paradise. <laughs> That's right. It really is. It's a piece of paradise. And Vicki, we want to have you back sometime later this year because this conversation was great, but I feel like we scratched the surface and there's so much more we can, we can talk about with you. So would you agree to come back? Of course, I would love to come back. That would be fabulous. Great. Well, we'll be in touch soon, and we'll set you up to be on maybe over the summer and the fall, and we'll have you back and talk about your other books, and I'm sure you'll have more amazing things to share with us in six months and maybe some new projects you'd like to talk about. I actually have some new projects I'm working on that I will be very excited to tell you about in six months. Great. Oh. Well, Vicki, it's going to be our pleasure again, just as it was today. So, Certainly, I uh, hope that that weather there in, in your neck of the woods starts turning to uh, warmer spring weather uh, that you can enjoy. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yep, we're hoping that too. Um, so thank you. Thank you very much. Well, you're a ray of thank sunshine you. today, and hopefully that will continue through the rest of the day for you. I know it will for me. Absolutely. Thanks. Thank you. Take care. Enjoyed yeah. it. Bye, okay. Bye. Hey, Kevin, so are you and I both the chief paradise officers of, of RNFM Radio? Uh, I, guess, I guess we are. I, I suppose that I, I never thought of being a CPO of a company. I really didn't, um, but, but I suppose we are. I feel happy. I feel fulfilled. Uh, so I think we must be doing something right here. Yeah, I guess we're co-CPOs. We could say that. I guess maybe we'll put that on our non-existent business cards. Well, yeah, and I was actually going to say, I think we finished up our corporate taxes, and I, I don't think I put that on our uh, returns as, as CPOs. So, um, yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe next year. Hey, you know yeah. what, though? The IRS might want to charge us extra. They might say we're, we might be too happy over here. Oh, yeah, well, maybe, maybe. I know, they're going to be like, what, what are these guys doing here? Uh, what's going on? Because they are so happy. But, but I, I am very sincere when I, when I did say that, is that um, for me... You know, having the job uh, is just, it, it's like a crushing feeling of not being able to breathe, not being able to see, not being able to, like, live, or I, I don't know. I mean, for me, that type of existence isn't the way to go, at least in my mind, and, and I think regardless of whether you're on an entrepreneurial path, I, I know we talk about that a lot, and I know that's not always the answer for each and every one of you, but really that mindset to say that uh, it's not just the job, but it's, it's the career, it's who you are, and just exude excellence. I mean, it, it's all about your personal brand. And what is that lasting impression that you want people to take away when they work with you and also those clients or patients that you're serving? I mean, what do you want people to take away from your presence at that, at that moment, day after day, shift after shift that you're working? And it starts locally within yourself. Yeah, that's a good point. And, you know, there are a lot of people out there who have jobs they really love. And there are ways, like Vicki was just saying, to stay more engaged or become more engaged and make your job even better for yourself. So, you know, I still work part-time for a home care agency and I love that job right now. It's going really well. We have a lot, we have a lot going on and we have a very sweet culture at our little agency. So if you work at a doctor's office, you work at a big hospital, you work for a hospice or a home care organization, 
how can you make it better for yourself? How can you become more engaged? How can you set the example for others? And like Kevin said, how can you really breathe excellence into what you do every day? Right. I couldn't have said it better. Oh, but maybe I did. Well, I did say it and you finished it off there. <laughs> That's what you did. Um, but, but yes, I, I talk a lot about personal branding and just that energy that's really coming off of you because that's what you want to be infectious. That's what you want. You want people to be around you, I hope. Um, even if you're an introvert, I hope that in some way you want people to, to want to be around you, to want to work with you. And, and if you are exhibiting that, if you are exuding that type of energy, I mean, energy transforms into so uh, many different aspects in our lives, and it, and it, tr- it is transformation. Uh, it, energy never dies. It just transforms into, you know, something else. And again, I think that that positive influence that we can have on each other uh, really can be infectious and it really can go company wide. And it doesn't matter how big your company is. It can start with one unit because I've seen in organizations, I've been in organizations where one unit tried to do something a different way. They went against the grain and I love going against the grain, uh, but that's another story. And mm-hmm. literally they were the model for the rest of the hospital to say, we need to implement these practices because this unit is thriving and the rest of them are not at their full potential. So it really can work. Right. And that change on that one unit can start with one person. And so there's the ripple effect. And, you know, just like that ripple effect of one person, you and I are trying to have a ripple effect. I think we are here on the show. And there's a lot going on in the coming weeks, and I'd like to tell people a little bit about what they have to look forward to because there's really a lot coming, and I think just keeps building on this whole this language and this this um, history of nursing and healthcare and how we can move our organizations and our professions forward. So I'd love to talk a little bit about what's coming up. Well, of course, because it's very apropos. I think you've done a great job here at programming. And I know that's flattery will get me everywhere, but but the message is very clear and very consistent in these last couple of months. So take it away. Sure. Well, next week we're actually talking to two individuals representing Nurses House, and that's an organization in Long Island, New York, where the house actually used to be a place where nurses who were in need of care could actually come and live for a short time. That house no longer exists, but Nurses House exists as a nonprofit where you can donate your money, actually. I have this past year. And nurses who are in trouble financially, medically, et cetera, can apply for grants, financial grants, to help them through a tough time. So we'll be talking about nurses helping nurses next week, which is, I think, really wonderful. Now, the following week is spring break, Kev, I believe, for your kids, and that's the week of April Fool's Day, so we're not going to have a show that will be brought, uh, recording that week, right? Uh, that's correct. And I think uh, many of us who most likely have families, or maybe if you don't have families, I think that is slotted to be spring break for a lot of you. So you might not be around anyway. Right. So that spring break, if you're around the week of April Fool's Day and you want to listen to RNFM Radio, of course, you can always go to rnfmradio.com or iTunes and listen away. But we just won't be around ourselves that week. Now, on April 9th, we will be having a live Google Hangout on air with Don and Wayne Nix of D5W.biz. They've created a business. They're both nurses, by the way. Their business is Uh, gourmet coffees and teas for nurses and kevin and i will be sampling some of their products live on the google hangouts you can watch us drink our coffee and tea and 
let you know how it tastes. And the following week, April 16th, another nurse entrepreneur, Sarah Brennan Mott of nurseborn.com. She has developed her own products. She's actually sending Kevin and I samples shortly. And we'll be talking with her about being a nurse entrepreneur and developing products and actually putting them out on the market. So that'll be really interesting for those of you who've always had that idea for something you want to develop and you're not sure how to do it. And the following week, the 23rd, we'll be doing a pre-recorded podcast with Diane Dennis. She is a nurse and an expert PR consultant. So we'll be talking about nursing and public relations, and that should be really wonderful. And finally, to round out April on the 30th, I just booked Cynthia Phelps for a live Google Hangout. She is a self-compassion evangelist and a mobile app developer. So we'll be talking about her mobile apps that are actually being developed for emotional well-being. So what about that, Kev? Do you want to beta test her, her, new, her new mobile apps? I am a big alpha and beta tester these days, and I'm going to be geeking out on that show. So you might want to step back for a moment, Keith, because I might dominate that one. I, I kid, I kid, I kid. So uh, it's, it's a partnership, but I, but I love technology, uh, and, and I also love technology that that helps our, our clients that we serve and in healthcare. And so I'm, I'm just thrilled to have someone on here that we can talk about uh, an app, something that's so portable and so easy to use, I'm assuming anyway, uh, yes. that we, we can utilize that in the field. And our patients, I, I assume, might have access to this as well. I don't know. We're going to actually ask Cynthia all these questions. Yeah, I would think so. And Cynthia especially is developing apps for nurses, for healthcare providers to use when they're on the job to, to maintain their level of self-compassion and self-care. So that'll be really interesting. It's right up both our alleys in many, many ways. So that's what's coming up, folks. We're booking even more shows for May, June, and July. So it's going to be a great spring and summer. There's just so much more to come. So, Kevin, I just want to reiterate, people can go to rnfmradio.com for everything they need to know about us. But we're on Facebook, too, at facebook.com slash um, RNFM radio and Twitter, etc. So please find us everywhere. Tune in. Let us know what you think. Let us know what you want, what you're looking for. And like Kevin said earlier, we have a number where you can call and leave a message or send a text. It is 720-466-3022. We'd love to hear from you. So Kev, I'm going to say goodbye. I'm going to let you wrap things up and then we'll be back next week. Well, as always, Keith, it has been a pleasure spending my day with you today, and of course, Vicki, and our community as well. And speaking of community, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for all of those recent Facebook likes and engagement over there. We're literally 10 likes away from 1,000, so I'm sure by the next episode, we will have hit 1,000. Again, Keith and I are very sincere from the bottom of our hearts, both of our hearts, uh, we're, we're living the paradise here on RNFM Radio because we must be doing something right. We hope that you in some way have felt uplifted, motivated, and ready for something that moves the needle for you. I know that I have personally today. Innovate and create. Find passion in your life and your career each and every day. Care for yourself while caring for others. And we look forward to having you back here with us again on RNFM Radio. 